This podcast is being released the week of Christmas 2021, and I want to first and foremost tell you, Merry, Merry Christmas. I hope that you are really spending time to be as reflective as possible, especially this year with all we've suffered since January 2020. If you've listened to the show for very long, then you've got a good idea of what I understand to be going on in the world. And above all, I fully expect God to intervene on behalf of his people. And it could be still this month. I've decided to replay last week's message. The war cry of the church has sounded, and we're on the move. Because I sense God is already at work in our behalf, and we are about to see him big time. Be encouraged with all the hope and promises of Christmas. Hello, once again, to those of you who have been listening to this podcast known as Faith to Live By, and welcome to those who are hearing this podcast for the first time. Faith to Live By is a podcast where each week I help us discover and live in life-giving truth so we can experience all the hope truth provides. My aim is to help consider truth about current events from a biblical perspective to learn how God wants his people to respond. And I must admit, these past two years, with the gross increase of evil, my goal has been hard-pressed. In these days, it may seem the truth is impossible to know, and there is little to no hope. But I assure you, we can know the truth. Yes, it's more difficult than ever to mine for truth. But by working hard, standing on Jesus' words, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, we shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. We must understand God never acted on behalf of humanity without humanity partnering with him. Let me repeat that because it's critical in this hour. God has never acted on behalf of humanity without humanity partnering with him. We are at the most critical time for the battle of good and evil ever in our lifetimes. And since there are more people alive on earth today and seeing the evil and corruption playing out globally, I believe we're living in the most dreadful time in all the history of the world. We must all admit the church has been tragically asleep for a very long time while the enemy of God working through willing people has advanced his agenda of lies, destruction, and death. With today's program, I'm joining with a somber and urgent call for those who profess to be Christians to boldly and quickly take up spiritual arms and get engaged with the battle or become a casualty of this war. There is no more time left to decide if you will be part of God's army who pushes back the enemy. The call to arms and to go into battle has already sounded. It's either get engaged now or experience the consequences of your disobedience. Last week, my focus was on the battle in the field of abortion as one of the many battles we must be engaged in. If you didn't hear that program, I urge you to listen to it and respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. Abortion is one of the greatest abominations we have permitted in the United States. Yes, the church has permitted this and other atrocities for not taking a stand against anything that sets itself up against the Word of God. Since 1973, the church has been extremely weak in seeking to overturn abortion, not only in America, but worldwide. Every day, 125,000 babies made in God's image are murdered worldwide. Nations who have supported abortion are finding the blessings and protections of God have greatly diminished. I believe the church allowing abortion is part of what has given rise to the governmental and medical tyrannies we're suffering today. Gratefully, another case has been brought before the Supreme Court that could help us to win the battle against abortion. 
I urge you to be among those whose name is identified with this battle that God can see the stand you take. Learn what you can do by listening to the podcast. I also encourage you to listen to Dutch Sheets with his Give Him 15 video blog, where he encourages us to know what we must do and to demonstrate our stand on abortion. He has several posts, with the most recent post ending with a decree stating, We the Ecclesia of Jesus Christ in America decree that Roe will be overturned and that Baal's hold on America is ending. End quote. The Ecclesia is an important term I'll be explaining in just a bit, and I'll also have a link to Dutch's blog in the show notes. In contrast to knowing the specific battles we must become engaged in, today's program is intended to help us understand the war. There are still far too many Christians who are asleep to the fact that we're even in a war, let alone aware of the escalation of destruction the enemy has advanced against us. Yes, specifically advanced against the church, against us as Christians. With today's show, expect to be fully equipped and commissioned to understand the truth of our times, God's expectations of us in these times, and the tremendous victories we can experience from obedience to God in response to these times. As you listen to today's program, I ask you to do a serious and honest audit of yourself. Have you been feeling defeated and helpless? Have you felt that problems of our world today are too big even for God to overcome? Be honest. Have you been hoping Christ will return and whisk us all away? Well, if so, I need you to listen, asking the Holy Spirit to help you realign your thoughts and feelings with the truth you'll hear today. And if you know someone who's been feeling overwhelmed, make sure to recommend this program to them. If you haven't felt overwhelmed, but need more ammunition to help you continue in this fight, this podcast promises to deliver more truth bombs you need to fight the enemy. And don't forget to let me hear from you about how my podcast helps you. If you're being blessed by my extensive work, I need to know so I can be encouraged to continue doing what I'm doing in this battle. You'll find my contact information in the show notes. I'm no different than you. I need encouragement too. Prophet Robin Bullock was recently interviewed by Steve Schultz discussing the present spiritual war, where he stated, quote, The political realm is where the powers of good and evil clash. End quote. Hearing this, I was reminded of a friend who once asked me, will your podcasts always deal with politics? When I was asked the question, I paused before I answered because I was actually saddened by the question. I believe that the very reason the world is in the condition it is today is because the church bought into the lie and twisted meaning of the separation of church and state. I firmly believe had the church as the ecclesia remained involved in politics as they play out in the governments of the nations of the world, we would not be in the state we are in today. Knowing that we, as Christ's disciples, have been given all Christ's authority in heaven and on earth, and we are commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Christ commanded, Matthew 28, 18-20, and knowing unto us a child was born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Isaiah 9, 6-7. And understanding God has given the earth to Christ as his possession, and the nations as his inheritance. Psalm 2, 8. And knowing the evil kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of our Lord for him to reign and rule, which is to govern forever. Revelation eleven fifteen. 
And in consideration of all this, I responded to my friend, yes, politics will always be a focus in my podcasts. By politics, I'm not referring to Democrats or Republicans, liberals or conservatives. I am referring to the actual definition of the word. Politics means the activities associated with the governance of a country or other area, especially the debate or conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. The debate or conflict among individuals or parties having or hoping to achieve power. For us, it's the politics concerning the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Satan is advanced through Satan and his followers, specifically fallen angels and human beings who agree with and promote Satan's agenda. The kingdom of Christ is advanced through Jesus and his followers, specifically holy angels and human beings who agree with and promote Christ's agenda. The war between these two kingdoms has been played out in all the earth since the fall of humanity recorded in Genesis. The interview I mentioned earlier where Steve Schultz interviewed Robin Bullock presented evidence of how the church has been operating from fear, which has given power to the enemy who is working to overcome the church, because the church is the only power on the earth that can defeat Satan's continued efforts. Robin succinctly stated, quote, Faith backs freedom, fear backs tyranny, end quote. We need to truly hear what Robin said. The church which is intended by Jesus to be the force that overcomes evil, has been operating from fear, which gives power to the enemy who is working to overcome the church. Many Christians have actually been promoting the advancement of the enemy's kingdom by giving in to fear. Yes, we know Christ has already made the enemy a defeated foe, but until God's timeline for humanity is fulfilled, we will continue to experience the lies, destruction, and death of the enemy which the church, the very bride of Christ, must fight against. Jesus is not returning for a defeated bride. He is working with his bride, the Ecclesia, to become victorious and set the stage for his glorious return. Now, let me break down what I just shared so we can become fully convinced of the truth of our times, God's expectations of us in these times, and the tremendous victories we can experience from obedience to God in response to these times. First, reclaiming the original intent of the term separation of church and state. When Thomas Jefferson first used that term, he was addressing a Baptist church that the Constitution prevents the government from interfering with the church. The First Amendment to the Constitution makes clear, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. And simultaneously, it declares that everyone should have the right to freedom of religion. However, the enemy of God, Satan, working through self-appointed power-hungry elite through decades has twisted the words of Thomas Jefferson and the Constitution itself to silence the church, to make the government the supreme authority in America, and the church has allowed it. Yes, the church has sadly allowed it. The only power on the earth that can overcome the efforts of the enemy is the church, meaning all those who are true disciples of Jesus Christ. The enemy of God knows this, which is why he has worked so hard for so long to push the church back, making it irrelevant and impotent, and he has come extremely and dangerously close to succeeding. Recorded in Matthew 16, verses 18 to 19, responding to Peter's confession that Jesus was and is the Messiah, Jesus said, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. End quote. Now, I'm aware this is one of the most controversial and debated passages in Scripture, but it's important we understand what Jesus meant when he responded to Peter and his declaration that Jesus was and is the Messiah. The issue is with the term, this rock. Catholics believe this rock refers to Peter, and they defend the idea that Jesus meant for Peter to be the first pope and the rock foundation of the Catholic Church. Protestants believe the term, this rock, refers to Peter's confession by the revelation of God. Belief that Jesus was and is the Messiah, the Christ, is the rock or the foundation for the church. Others believe this rock to mean the teachings of Jesus. I lean with the rock meaning the confession or revelation of Jesus as the Messiah. Additionally, what we need to consider from this passage is the word Jesus actually used for the church. Jesus did not say, on this rock I will build my church. He said, on this rock I will build my ecclesia. Ecclesia is a Greek word from which we get the terms ecclesial and ecclesiastical. Ecclesia means the called out ones, or the gathering of those summoned, and carries with it the intended purpose for those called out to be influencers of civil government. The word ecclesia only appears here and in Matthew 18.17. The word ecclesia was in use centuries before the Christian church appeared on the scene. It referred to a socio-political gathering of citizens who were called together to attend to the concerns of their city. In the days of the early church, Christians were meeting in socio-political gatherings across the Roman Empire, and this caused the emperor, Caesar, and his prefects to see the church as a threat, and Caesar attempted to abolish the church. But Christ further declared, The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Praise God for that assurance. But remember, the progress of the church is directly connected to the engagement of God's people. In Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19, and Matthew 18, verses 15 to 20, Jesus says, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, 19 adds, Again, I say to you, if you agree on earth about anything, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. From all of this, we should understand our place as the church is to be the political influencer of righteous standards through the authority and power we have as disciples of Jesus Christ. Remember, the political realm is where good and evil collide. The church must return to operating in such a way that we influence the world and not the other way around, even to the point of being considered a threat by secular governments, because we have confidence the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Jesus said so. In reality, there are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness, which Satan rules, and the kingdom of light, which God rules. Satan rules through his fallen angels and people under his influence, and God rules through his holy angels and people under God's influence. We are commissioned by Christ to make disciples of all nations. With this understanding, the nations are Christ's inheritance. Therefore, we must work to protect and enhance what belongs to Christ. Dependent upon the truth that the government is upon Christ's shoulders, we need to seek Him for our specific orders. Knowing of His government, there shall be no end, and that Jesus has already defeated the enemy, and His kingdom prevails, we should be as bold and ferocious as lions. There should be no place for fear in the church. 
As Robin Bullock explained, the same Antichrist spirit that influenced King Nebuchadnezzar and his satraps, princes, prefects, deputies, governors, captains, judges, counselors, advisors, sheriffs, treasurers, justices, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces. Now, these are the combined descriptive words used in several translations to convey those who aligned with King Nebuchadnezzar. The spirit behind these authorities has been at work in our governmental leaders today. The spirit drives people under its influence to become the highest authority to be worshipped, like King Nebuchadnezzar wanted, in effort to overcome the church and displace God. I agree with Robin. Today, we need the same radical spirit of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to infiltrate us so we demonstrate our worship of God regardless of any mandates or threats the governments seek to impose. In Daniel chapter 1, we learn that the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, overcame Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, seized the land and some of the vessels of the house of God, which he brought to the land of Shinar, to the house of his gods, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his god. Then Nebuchadnezzar ordered his chief eunuch to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine he drank. The youth were to be educated for three years, and at the end of the three years, they were to stand before the king. Among the Hebrew youth gathered were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, all from the tribe of Judah. Daniel's name wasn't changed, but the other three names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel and his three friends were determined to keep their Hebrew identity and resolved not to defile their bodies with the king's food and drink to protect themselves from being assimilated into the Babylonian culture. Instead, they chose to eat restricted diets as a means to continually remind themselves that although they were captured and living in a foreign land, they were dependent on their God for their very lives and not their captors. For their allegiance during this time of captivity, God gave the four young men tremendous favor. Now, I share all that because I want us to consider Daniel and the three others representative of the church today. We have been infiltrated and subjected to ungodly authorities and mandates designed to cause us to be assimilated into the godless culture. By now, we know the so-called pandemic was manufactured. The masks and lockdowns and mandates for vaccines and more are all measures intended to control us. And in many states and other countries, the church was shut down entirely, while establishments such as abortion clinics, liquor stores, and casinos were allowed to remain open. Remember, it was the people of ancient Babylon that joined effort to build a tower to displace God. We read that in Genesis 11. Years later, that same spirit influenced King Nebuchadnezzar to disregard the Hebrew God and erect a golden idol to be worshipped. King Nebuchadnezzar gathered all the governmental and political authorities, justices, magistrates of his land, and commanded they worship the golden idol. Daniel chapter 3 reveals, however, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, whose Babylonian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refused to bow down to the golden idol, putting themselves in the way of serious danger to be burned alive in the fiery furnace. In our day, it would be Christians refusing to comply with the many mandates and illegal oppression 
even in the face of serious consequences? Does the church today have the same resolve as these three young Hebrew men to remain true to God and trust Him no matter what? In response to the king's demand for them to worship the idol, the young men said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. End quote. Robin explained when the young men said, But if not, that they were saying, But even if you don't throw us in the furnace, we will not worship the idol. Other commentators point out that the young men had no doubt about their God's ability to deliver them. However, they were not privy to how God would specifically work out his plan for them. Either way, their resolve to worship the one true God was not compromised even in the slightest. This is the kind of resolve the church needs today. And at this point, with the mounting evidence of the hoax of the global pandemic and the truth being revealed right and left, we should be even more able to take our stand. At this point, we're up against a toothless tiger, and I'm expecting to see more and more Christians realize this truth and take their stand against the lies and oppression. If we want to see God give us tremendous favor as he did Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, we must not compromise our faith in any manner. At the same time, we need to continue to work to uncover the whole truth and help truth get known to more and more people, especially in these days of big tech censorship and media cover-up. Did you know natural immunities in those who have recovered from COVID-19 are far superior to the so-called vaccines? Did you know that the so-called vaccines actually cause the COVID-19 virus to be more dangerous? Did you know that the people who got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine are more at risk for Guillain-Barre syndrome? Did you know that Dr. Jane Ruby has publicly stated the so-called vaccines are actually bioweapons intended to damage our immunity with each booster shot? Did you know that ivermectin is actually one of the CDC's approved treatments for COVID, but hospitals are refusing to allow patients to have it? Did you know that Reiner Fulmich, a German lawyer specializing in corporate fraud, has vowed to put world leaders and leading scientists on the dock for engineering a fake pandemic? Did you know, under international law, each and every one of us has jurisdiction to enforce laws against these tyrannical medical practices? Did you know that the people behind this global pandemic are self-appointed elite who believe and uphold the tenets inscribed on the Georgia Guidestones, which includes depopulating the earth? I explained this in good detail with my podcast titled Truth Revealed Through Crisis. There's a link for you in the show notes. If you did not hear that show, you need to hear it to have an understanding of the spirit we're dealing with. Armed with truth, the church must get engaged in this battle of good versus evil. God's people everywhere around the world need to demand political justice. How can we do this? By taking our stand, refusing to comply, by joining with other organizations who are making inroads to right the wrongs. Did you know the Heritage Foundation filed a federal lawsuit challenging the Biden administration's unlawful mandates? The Heritage Foundation works to preserve and defend our individual liberties guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution, and you can help them help us by getting involved, signing petitions, and offering any financial support you can. 
Did you know there are many organizations that are working to rectify the wrongs we've suffered at the hands of the global cabal? I've shared many of them with you through my podcasts over the past year and a half. If you haven't been listening to this program very long, I highly recommend you go through the entire playlist to learn from previous podcasts matters of interest to you. The descriptions for each of the shows provide the show's topic. You will find links to all these Did You Know questions in the show notes where you can learn more. In closing today's show, let me share a portion of what Prophet Nate Johnston recently published, which speaks to the condition of the church and our rising up in this very hour. His post is titled, I Heard a War Cry Rising from the Ashes of Grief. Quote, Recently, I was in worship one day at home when I heard a mighty war cry. When I looked in the spirit to see where this cry came from, I saw a valley filled with the smoke and ash. As I looked closer, I saw that it was coming from people who were broken and had been counted as dead or spiritually asleep. They were the ones who had been taken out in 2020 and 2021 and were in the throes and cycles of grief, unable to shake it and break it. It looked as if they had been dismantled, deconstructed, and demolished like a building. They were more laying in ash. The smoke from the battle was still in the air, yet something had majorly shifted inside them. By all appearances, they were out of the game and finished. Then suddenly, this war cry began to erupt from them. This happened almost involuntarily, shocking and taking them by surprise, and also those around them. I knew in that moment that even hell itself was bewildered at this sight, because these people had truly been sent to the grave. But God had other plans. Then I heard these words beginning to form within this war cry. It's broken. It's over. It's ended. What was broken, I thought. Then I discerned the spirit of grief in the air. It was anguish from a season of extreme loss on the absolute deepest of levels. Then I began to hear the silent pain, doubts, and fears of those who were on the ground like whispers of torment and inescapable sorrow, like I was being shown the condition of those who died in this season. They had felt hopeless, defeated, severely disappointed, and faithless. But I witnessed it, the turning, the silent screams of pain cast into the wind suddenly turned into a war cry of prophetic decrees and fresh hope. Then, in this place of severe loss, the most unimaginable thing started taking place. Bitter waters became rivers, and grief became a laughter that started small and then couldn't be stopped. It was like a tap had been turned on inside of these people that hadn't been turned on in a very long time. Joy flooded out of them, eclipsing and overtaking every single place of pain. I felt it deeply. This was a cry of overdue justice for every single place where prayers had been intercepted and promises delayed. This was the cry initiated by heaven to settle the score. This was mourning being turned into dancing upon injustice. This was unfathomable restoration. This was an impossible comeback, the likes of which are described in Isaiah 42:22, which says, But this is a people plundered and looted, They are all of them trapped in holes and hidden in prisons. They have become plunder with none to rescue, spoil with none to say, restore. But they are rising up, and in their war cry is a shout that cannot be shut down. It's the shout of a people who are standing up and commanding that restitution and restoration must take place. This war cry is shaking earthly systems and worldly empires that have sided with the enemy 
It may look like the enemy has won, but the enemy has forgotten who reigns on the highest throne and who gets the last laugh. Even right now, I hear the Lord say, Scales and balances are mine. There is nothing I will overlook, and there is nothing I will not repay in both evil and in good. This war cry is the marker of the beginning of seeing things shift in unexpected places as the once fallen people of God stand up and raise their voices, declaring justice and restoration. The link where you can find the entire post is in the show notes. Next week, I'll tackle another issue that impacts us personally or impacts someone we love, and you can count on me to always bring you relevant content to help us discern current events in light of prophecy and a biblical worldview to know how God wants us to respond so we can live in the spiritual victory Christ died to give us. In these times of economic uncertainty, it's more important than ever to have a plan to protect and increase your wealth. Ed Torres is a team member with the Financial Advisory Practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, who can help you with your future financial goals. Ask Ed Torres about the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach to see if you are prepared for your financial future. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, understands your goals, and they provide personalized advice to help you reach them. Call Ed Torres at 949-250-3210. Offices located at 2600 Michelson Drive, Suite 1460, Irvine, California, 92612. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC member, FINRA and SIPC. You don't have to be in California to consider working with Ed. They're licensed in many states, so I'll have a link to his website in the show notes, and I encourage you to contact him for a free consultation. And keep in mind, I recommend Ed because of the personal experience my husband and I have had with him as our financial advisor. If you've liked what you've heard from me today, I ask you to show your support in whatever way you can. I offer my books and other products from my web store, which you can get through faithtoliveby.com. Be sure to use the promo code T-R-U-T-H, TRUTH and receive a 20% discount on up to two products. And if you haven't already, make a point of getting my Make America Godly Again bumper stickers. It's a great way to display your faith and encourage others. Also, please consider becoming a subscriber to my bi-monthly e-newsletter, which will make you a preferred member, and you'll receive special announcements and offers not available to others. And by subscribing, should anything happen to my podcast, I'll have a way to contact you to make sure you know where to find me. And with so much going on every day, let's also connect on Facebook at Faith to Live By TV, on Twitter at PL Christian, and on LinkedIn at Pamela Christian. Be sure to take advantage of the free resources and bonus items listed on Charisma Podcast Network and on my website at faithtoliveby.com. On that landing page, there's a link and more information about my affiliate sponsors and partners. This podcast is available to you at no cost but I most definitely have considerable costs associated with producing this show. If you've been blessed by my ministry, purchasing the goods and services I bring you is how you can support me, which would be greatly appreciated. And depending upon where you listen to my podcast, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, or wherever these features are available. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel, and it helps people learn 
how to best apply their Christian faith. I hope you'll join me next week and tell your friends and family to listen right here on Faith to Live By, where we learn how to gain spiritual victory over life's issues. Until next week, I'm Pam Christian, asking you to remember, Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him.